Welcome to a very unfortunate episode of If the Apocalypse Comes, Beat Me. You'll notice that the time of this episode is a lot shorter than our normal episodes, and that's because half of our audio was completely corrupted. Bound to happen at some point, but unfortunately it happened with checkpoints. So this episode is a different beast. Because I don't have Kelly and Stacia's audio, I am going to be interpreting what they're saying based on the incredibly garbled, horrible, clipped audio that I currently have. So I'm going to try to make it fun, I'm going to try to make it quick and snappy, and I still have my original dialogue from the episode, so that'll be interspersed throughout. So enjoy this episode. If you don't want to, go listen to Blood Ties, our next episode, which is out and is completely fine. Everyone from here on out is going to be fine. Thanks so much for listening to the If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. And enjoy this rendition where all you will hear is my voice. We need to know that this information is safe. You can trust her. Can they really do the stuff they threatened? The Council fights evil. Slayer is the instrument by which we fight. Am I going to be able to get through this? She's not your bloody instrument and you have no right to do any of this. Tell me what kind of demon I'm fighting. This isn't a demon. An all-new Buffy. Welcome to Miss Barton's Performance Review, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me, a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer where we watch an episode according to its original air date 20 years ago. And this week, Season 5, Episode 12, Checkpoint. We'll be talking about plot. We'll be talking about characters. We'll be talking about Rasputin, maybe. Spoilers about for this episode, any episode before and after it in the comics, as well as any other shows and movies. This semester's copy of Beat Me Catalog includes Speculation 101, Intro to Flights of Fancy, and Inquiries into the Mysterious Sleeping Patterns of Prussian Generals. Holy moly, welcome to an organic episode of If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. My name is Kelly. I'm joined by two wonderful co-hosts, Stacia. Say hello. 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 Daniel, say hello. I really hope that the transcript of this podcast to follow is going to be published in the prestigious Everyone Thinks We're Insano's home journal. Today we're discussing Season 5, Episode 12, Checkpoint, originally aired on January 23, 2001, written by Jane Espenson and Doug Petrie, directed by Nick Mark. Kelly talks something about Joss Whedon here. A couple of firsts, though, including The Knights of Byzantium! Oh, I forgot. I'm supposed to do the plot first. Uh, We discuss having a list. There's a spot in front of us. We could put a list, but will they put a list there? Probably not. What happened in this episode? The council came and proposed a bunch of tests to test how much of a slayer she is. Glory showed up at Buffy's house... They talked about the key, Dawn being the key right there in the room with them. No one knew except for Buffy. Dawn's going to get to the bottom of all this talk about her, and nothing happens, and we leave the scene. We meet the Knights of Byzantium in an alleyway fight. They profess that whoever holds the key is their sworn enemy. The Slayer is the one with the key, so they will be coming after her. 
exclusively. If it takes one man, they will send one man. If it takes 100, they will send 100. 1,000, they will send 1,000. And finally, we get the final reveal that Glory is not a demon. She is a god. So what about the first? We're going to do this take again. Uh, we are introduced for the first time to the aforementioned Knights of Byzantium! Here comes a new challenger! Same energy. From here we joke about Spiral and their appearance. Uh, don't aim for the horsies. Buffy says aim for the horsies. Something about Anya's name potentially being Anya Emerson. Maybe in the Watcher's Guide? Question mark? As for the Japanese commands that Quentin Travers is saying, Kelly asks us if either of us have seen the soap opera Passions. Uh, we respond, no. Kelly politely asks whether uh, we enjoyed this episode or not. Sisha thinks that this episode is fine. Daniel says, uh, I'm of two minds of it. One is that I fucking hate the council and I've been pretty adamant about that. And I see them the same way that I see the initiative. And this episode just screams to me that we didn't know what to do, so we needed to bring them back. And they might want some credit for laying the foundation at the end of last episode. Like, that's great or something, but it's not. It's bullshit. I fucking hate the council, and I hate that they're here. Um, and we've already established all of that. But Petrie and, and Jane Espenson kill it. Like, it's really good. And I was thinking the whole time, I was like, I feel more bad for Tracy Forbes the more we go on because I'm like Tracy Forbes had to do real work like she didn't get to advance the plot she didn't get anything good to do and she had to really work whereas these two got a you know stupid fucking plot bullshit with a stupid fucking council that nobody wants but they are just funny and they get like more advanced characters that they get to play with for me i didn't know the knights of byzantium were coming in so i thought that those dudes in chainmail were the fucking council i thought it was i thought that, that was the test i think as a viewer you're supposed to think that because she's like your slayer's late i.e we set a trap for her and she's not going to make it because we're going to fucking kill her you think it's just now the mental part right because we didn't really do much the physical part's actually happening right now. You don't even know, Giles. That's what I thought. And then I was like, it's the Knights of Byzantium. And the whole time I was watching it, I was like, these ninjas are going to lose because the council is so ineffectual and, and horrible. And then when they lost and it was the Knights, and I was like, it's not even the fucking council that's doing this. So like, my mind was blown like 16 times here. And it was horrible. And I just don't understand why Buffy didn't beat all of them up to begin with. Why even defer? I don't get it. Um, however, the monologue at the end was peak Buffy and I loved it. The montage questioning everybody was amazing. And Glory, as you alluded to, being in this episode, huge plus. That Tracy Forbes didn't get and a season four that just ended didn't get a lot either. We had to deal with the initiative without anyone of substance, like anything cool happening. You know, Adam only came at the very end and he sucked. Glory at least is fun. And I would say... We're 12 episodes into this. We're halfway through, and she's been in nothing so far. We further applaud Claire Kramer in this episode for being so unhinged and, and kind of creepy crazy in Buffy's living room. And I'll give it to the council, too. The the, the reveal that she's a god, that was good. I, I think the council giving us that info, if we're even supposed to believe the council is like good at anything, that did land for me. Just tell me what kind of demon I'm fighting. Well, that's the thing, you see. Glory isn't a demon. What is she? 
She's a god. Oh. This is some of the best writing in the show. I liked her dunking on the council and them like admitting that they're kind of futile. That all really worked for me, and I like Travers because he's a great actor. It was great for him to deliver that line. We all agree that this episode is more interesting because we know our characters so well. That knowledge really helps us not have to explain a whole lot of information, and we get to talk about each one of their reactions to the council's probing and questioning of who they are uh, works on so many different levels. So, you have no special skills or powers or knowledge that you bring to the mix. Neither of you. Just enthusiasm for killing the demons. Go deadness for the demons. Jane is like the only one that keeps the cuts alive. So I got to believe that it's her that probably wrote, or at least, you know, they talked about it and we're like, we need to do these leading questions that can cut to our friends, you know, a great tactic. And it was fantastic. You know, everybody got to have these questions that then led to somebody else. And again, I think it's Jane that's keeping that tradition alive. That was so prevalent in the first like two seasons of the show. Of course, Kelly notes that this episode has a lot of questions and a lot of things that will become important for the rest of the series. So it will lead to a very rich, deep discussion that no one will hear except through these notebook entries. Namely, we talk about the theme of power, which is something that we've returned to multiple times over the course of the show. And we will return to in this episode because we say it 5,000 times. We discuss shadowy organizations, uh, including... uh, Obviously, the Knights of Byzantium, who are the new people in this episode, but also the Initiative, which are directly called back in this episode. Kelly asks us if we think that the Initiative is as powerful as they claim to be, or even as much as Giles claims to be. See, the rough stuff, they're all right out there, a bit ham-handed, but they get it done. But uh, this stuff, the uh, bureaucracy, the pulling of political strings, they're the best in the world. They can kill you with a stroke of a pen. Ponzi Kelly ends her question with, really? Stacia says, no. It's literally Buffy is the only thing. Their existence is to support Buffy. Buffy has not been in there for two plus years. Why are they even around? How do they get money? What is, like, that's what I don't understand, is, like, how are they still an entity? How did you pay for all these people to come with you to Sunnydale? What is this? Now, the only thing I probably agree with is that they probably do have power, like you said, in the high places that could deport him. Like, I I don't know. I guess I could believe that, right, that they're so entrenched in, like, the old, you know, bureaucratic systems that have existed in, you know, the last couple hundred years. But beyond that, though, it's like, come on, man. Who cares? You know, your one weapon is here. What else are you doing? Kelly notes that they really never dive any deeper into this she explicitly references angel outside of an angel update and specifically wolfram and hart who are definitely more explored as a entity in the world than the council ever got to be kelly alludes to season seven when all the slayers show up as being kind of our next uh information download on more uh council related business but we continue to question the money i love what you've um neglected to do with the place well, i think they're just banking on angel being a show that's just a little bit different you know buffy is not a show about this these sort of things wolfram and Hart is definitely a, a whole thing 
in Angel. But I wish they did. I wish we expounded on it because we don't. Whereas Wolfram and Hart is a pretty fleshed out entity. Like we understand what's going on. And it follows us into the comics and beyond. Whereas the council will always just represent something for Giles' backstory and and something, you know, the left behind in the past, which I think is totally fine too. Having a corrupt, decaying corp, you know, entity is not uninteresting in and of itself. You know, but it's just it sucks to devote an episode of Buffy to it when we're trying to have fun. Kelly notes how the writers love to write themselves into gray areas, but why isn't the council, which is maybe one of the biggest gray areas in the entire Buffy universe, never really explored with any veracity. Station notes the difference between someone like Wolfram and Hart and the Council, namely that the Council are not making history in the way that Wolfram and Hart are actively pursuing their own ends. The Council are really sitting back here with a bunch of knowledge and without having a Slayer are quite ineffectual, um, which maybe speaks to against what Giles was saying earlier, because without their main weapon, without their nuclear bomb, how much leverage do they actually have? That being said, Stacia does note that there is something to be said for having the power of uh, knowledge that glory is a demon, uh, and how quickly they just give up is also just part and parcel with why this all is just so ineffectual. They put me through that test and, and almost killed me. And then when I was Faith, they almost killed me again. Honestly, I really can't handle almost being killed right now. They've got a bloated budget that now is like constricting and they need they need Buffy. So Buffy called the right play right there, which was like the council's going down in a month. You know, the spending is out of control. The scotch budget, the tea budget, all of the assistants here. That, that one girl just gave him tea like she didn't do any research. She's it's Nigel. Nigel and the, and the girl are doing the work. Well, I guess the other guy who gets fucking beat up by Buffy like you know what kind of a job is this what security is there in here I mean it's terrible do they know that Dawn is the key or they just know that they have the key or do they not know about the key at all they don't know that Dawn is the key good good all right because if they did I would be like that is a huge secret that I would immediately be like we gotta we gotta go on offense now because there's no way this decrepit organization can keep that to themselves but we've established that they cannot use phones so they would have to fly to tell whoever any of this information. Yeah, don't they have phones? Hello, Buffy. Here's some stuff we know. Pip, pip. Yeah, phones. See, I'd like them on phones. Also, you gotta love Giles at the end of the day. He made out better. You know, everybody got a compliment except for Xander who got kind of a backhanded compliment. But Giles got two years of back pay. That's true. All he had to do was endure some mild threatening and some jerks closing his shop down for the day. After this, we discussed the logistics of Dawn being the key and how glory would find the key how is any of this possible and we discuss a little bit about the meetup between buffy dawn and glory firstly by asking does glory know that ben knows where buffy lives how do they communicate with one another especially with what we know so far in this show although i guess the mystery of their own connection is maybe the answer right there. This prompts a discussion about what we know so far about Ben and Glory. Station brings up the voicemail to come. Um, later, he's going to wake up in the apartment in a dress. These are all things that have not so far happened. So the connection is still, from an audience perspective, 
relatively unknown. Kelly and Stacia basically laugh at me for not remembering all of these events as they go over them, including even events in this episode, i.e. the Knights of Byzantium um, being the council, or so Daniel thought. I thought, or so I thought. What is the tense that I'm using for these entries? I have no idea. The main takeaway from this entire conversation, if you were able to listen to it, which I was there, present, but I was not able to really listen to again, is that the council being powerful is a joke. We end by talking about Faith being in jail and the options that the council, if they were powerful, would have to do, not just with Faith, but with everything. And yet they seem so limited in scope, which is crazy to think of how limited they are if they were as powerful as they portray themselves to be. Maybe it won't be so bad this time. I mean, Buffy, they did think you were Faith last time. Now that they know you're just you, maybe they won't care enough to kill you. My deepest apologies to Stacia, who enlightened us with a wonderful tale about Rasputin to go along with Buffy's contention that there's more to history than meets the eye. But I cannot possibly recreate that with the clipped audio that I have, so you'll just have to take my word for it as a member of this podcast, but also as your omnipotent narrator today. And if you don't believe me, here's some proof in the form of my audio, which is the only surviving artifact of our former episode, Checkpoint. Yeah, he was a vampire. Don't forget. Totally. I mean, at the end of the day, he was probably just a fucking quack religious zealot who said, don't go to the doctor, right? It proved to be cool one time. Hey, my son feels better. That's great. Well, there's shit going on outside of the world that you guys are clearly not paying attention to. And Rasputin was one of those things that everybody looked upon that family already with derision. Rasputin was definitely part of that downfall. Um, Way to go. Right. Jafar. Yeah. Nope. Yep. Yeah. Well, she was associated. The queen was associated in that, too. So everybody was... Yeah, against that. And they and once Lenin took over and, you know, they bowed out of the war completely. Sex puncher. A lot of sex, a lot of punching, a lot of guns. If they had guns, I mean, if Rasputin had guns, there'd be guns all over the place. Let's just say that. So, And if, and if he wasn't a hemophiliac, the, the, they would never have ever talked to this person. Crazy. No. Unless Joel Olstein took over. Unless Joel Olstein became president and took over and killed Joe Biden under mysterious and subverted the constitution. It was like, we need to elect Joel Olstein as president. Yes. That would be weird. True. There isn't going to be a review. Sorry. No review, no interrogation, no questions. You know, I can't answer no hoops, no jumps, no interruptions. By the way, did you know that we're a real podcast? You can find us everywhere at beat me pod. That's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the good places, Tumblr. Uh, you can also go to our website, beatmepod.wordpress.com. If music is your thing, we have a playlist for you, Fun Times for Podcast Fans, Season 5, or something close to that. I'm doing all of this off the cuff. But it is time for us to start yelling. Daniel, you're going to carry this a lot. I'm talking to myself, but from the past. Let's go. Kelly yells, why didn't Giles just tell everybody that the council was coming in the last episode? 
they wouldn't have called him, so he must have known somehow. Um, we are not allowed to leave Riley behind, everybody. Season five continues. We see the um, the epic turtleneck that Buffy later then dons a turtleneck of her own in solidarity with his bite marks from um, the bitch who was... Fine. What was it? Tell me about your whores. So, so it's a memorial for Riley and for the whores. Or, and for Forrest, let's be honest as well. <laughs> so, you know, it's behind Buffy's couch. I mean, honestly, like, don't pick it up. Don't, don't. And then she's like smelling it and stuff. It's like, that was tough. When are we going to leave this behind? I thought it would be this episode. It is not this episode. Based on context clues, someone asks why Buffy left Joyce and Dawn with Spike. We then ask... Is Spike strong enough to take on Glory? Knowing what we know now, everybody has been beaten down, including Buffy. So what's the deal? We yell about Glory's powers and kind of confer about her godlike status when she has to suck the brains out of the postman. What would happen to her if she ran out of time? What would happen if they didn't deliver up the postman? Would she die? Would she just be paralyzed, Voldemort-style, sitting under the park bench, just wasting away? Or is there other ways to give her power? So we kind of yell about that. And Daniel laments the loss of the mail, the poor postman, all that undelivered mail. Stacia brings up a great point about everybody who has their brain sucked and can see Dawn as being the key does Glory know and why isn't that being utilized to hunt the key? But Kelly rightfully says that she does not know that completely though because she doesn't have the information. Well, the snake was trying to Bluetooth that info to her, but yeah, Bluetooth is tough. You know, Bluetooth is one thing, but she, she's got to be in that room. Can't just be close. You got to be in the room. Um, but I do have to say, just to, to go uh, pretty shallow here, you know, fuck Nigel, uh, all the Wesley, I watched the previously on this time, and uh, Wesley, he cannot be replaced, and this proves it. Fuck Nigel. He used to respect his child. He used to be one of us. He used to pay me. If you recall firing me, it was not my idea. Touche. Kelly notes the x-rays in one of the scenes, and it looks like that there are goggles up that man's butt. It was very hard for me to make out what was going on here. The only thing that cleared up was Kelly screaming, Ben is an intern. I don't know if, if that's in relation to the goggles up the butt or not. Or Ben points to it. He's like, that, guy, that man has goggles up his ass. And he's like, oh, no, he came in for chest pains. That is on. That's that's just there. We don't ask questions. I don't need a boyfriend to rescue me or for any other reason. <sighs> don't need a can't keep. They keep making notches in the headboard, but eventually they get up out of the bed and run off, don't they? You're disgusting. <gasps> Rough talk. Now, maybe that's your problem. Maybe you push him away. Or is it the other? Maybe cling too much. Or maybe your beauty's fading. The stress of slaying, aging you prematurely. Things not as high, not as firm. You know what, Spike? The more I get to know you, the more I wish I didn't. Spoiler alert to Buffy as a personality. That's a dunk on for Spike. Yeah, zero. I wrote that down. I was like, I, I can't believe that she gets roasted so hard. And it's true. She's boring. She loves to fight and, like, defend the world from evil. Boring. Stacia points out he's interested enough to go through all of her clothes and continue to break into her room. So 
must not be all that boring to Spike. But Kelly notes that the one thing that Buffy has interest in, Spike also happens to have interest in. So in fact, they're both incredibly boring in that they only have one thing in common, and it's also the only thing that they do. The Japan, So the fighting stuff, I get it. We have fighting styles and things like that. But to use the original Japanese, is that something that the council has been doing? Because if the council has been doing that for however many centuries that that's been a thing, then it seems that it, that tells me that Giles really dropped the ball and maybe doesn't deserve maybe full pay for everything that he's about to get the windfall. Because like, if that's the way they do it, like I think that you should teach her. Now I understand don't teach it in that way or even use the language, the, the, the language, the native language of the slayer in question, but that's not, seemingly what's going on was there like a element where maybe there was like three japanese slayers in a row and so like this stuff gets codified and then like you know the council became more of the modern what we think of the council during its reign in japan because i would assume that the early council much like the original church for like christianity would have like really evolved based on where it was in the kind of culture that it was surrounded by so if it was like you know japanese culture that it was like influenced by before it made its way eventually to england that's pretty cool kelly mentions the original mission of the council being to aid the first slayer uh daniel ends up talking they end up talking about history and how this is obviously a very you know english anglo-saxon show but there's a whole world of history that unfortunately just isn't tapped into but is sort of hinted at in these fun ways Kelly goes a bit off the deep end, mainly with the fighting sequence where you're relaying the original Japanese and heavy quotes into English and then <laughs> given to Buffy. How would she possibly have the time to react in any way that's not just instinctual? Stacia's yell was too clipped, but she did say that she liked the idea of a Buffy county with windmills and cows. But I'm trying to think about what that was in the episode and I can't really place it. So... This one's for your imagination, everyone. Yeah, yeah, this kid orders cow brains a couple times a week. No, uh, goes to this address. <laughs> Good luck, it's a weird kid. Kelly yells something that I couldn't catch, uh, and Stacia and her, and presumably me as well, laugh about diaper butt. Either Kelly or Stacia yell about Spike showing off in front of the council and just talking about how Buffy is slipping and taking nips of blood. Money. Little nip of blood out of some stray victim, whatever. Blood? Well, they're gonna die anyway. Come to think of it, though, that's a bit scandalous, isn't it? Personally, I'm shocked. The girl's slipping. You've noticed a decline in her work. Oh, yeah. See, the poor little twig can't keep a man. Gets her all down. A few more disappointments should be crying on my shoulder. And I have another problem with this. So there is literally no knowledge of anything in the world, as we've already established with with Buffy and Giles talking about Slayerdom in general. How the fuck is this girl writing a fucking thesis on Spike? Do you get a degree from this? Is this a college? Are you guys here for like college credit? Like what is going on? I suppose if the council is this powerful, they would not have a university, right? However, writing about Spike would be quite difficult. No, what this is, is this girl had three, you know, sources to to write from. You know, like a, a story from 
you know, China, a story from New York. And she, like a crazy person, wrote 1,600 pages worth of nonsense based on these three sources. But how would you do research? That's what I mean. No, Harvard would never give you a degree based on this because you have no sources. Well, you can't interview these people, right? Slayers are dead. It's amazing. And I love it. I fucking love it. And I want to know more. Kelly wants to praise the structure of Glory's reveal inside of Buffy's home. And particularly how great that scene was at sort of making Glory into a person, especially because we haven't got to see her much this season. Where's my key, Don? Go upstairs, Don. You're always talking about stuff I'm not supposed to hear. I'm going to figure it out, you know. Ooh, I like her. She's sassy. And I'll kill her. I'll kill your mom. I'll kill your friends. And I'll make you watch when I do. She also mentions that the way Buffy walks in in this episode and yells, Mom, is the first of what will probably be a few over the next course of these episodes of Buffy essentially reenacting what she does in the body. Yeah, that's that. I didn't even catch that. So that's that's amazing. My last one is, of course, you know, shouting out uh, Buffy interrupting class. You know, they they poisoned him and, and they beat him and they shot him and he didn't die. Until they rolled his body in a carpet and drowned him in a canal. But there are reported sightings of him as late as the 1930s, aren't there? I can assure you there is near consensus in the academic community regarding the death of Rasputin. There's also a near consensus about Columbus, you know, until someone asked the Vikings what they were up to in the 1400s, and they're, like, discovering this America-shaped continent. I just... I'm only saying, you know, it might be interesting if we came at it from, you know, a different perspective, that's all. Well... I'm sorry if you find these facts so boring. Maybe you prefer I step aside so that you can teach your own course. Speculation 101, perhaps? Uh, intro to Flights of Fancy? <laughs> I what was it you were going on about last week? The mysterious sleeping patterns of the Prussian generals? Now, some of us are here to learn. Believe it or not, we're interested in finding out what actually happened. It's called studying history. You can sit down now. Unless you have something else to add, Professor? I love my history love in Buffy. I love it when she stands up for reinterpretation and historical revision, which is super important. I'm I'm all for it. Um, the, the, the professor sucks. He's a stodgy old coot who's obsessed with his facts thinking that alone makes up history and not interpretation and he's an asshole fuck that guy however i will say based upon the sleeping patterns of prussian generals comment i'm a little troubled because what they're implying here is with the prussians the prussians went out with rasputin so this must be like a european history before the war like 18th or 19th century european history that's all i can assume because because when they lost the war, Prussia was a, uh, gone. Uh, so the Prussian generals being vampires, like Rasputin being vampires, we're kind of saying that Nazis are vampires, evil. Vampires are only evil. So people aren't evil, not us. We should be looking towards the supernatural for evil. It's like, as you said earlier, Kelly, the 
bureaucrats are the one, the, the people that are smiling and enjoying themselves while going every day to clock in at the gas chamber. Though That's the psychology to be afraid of, not the Rasputins of the world that are like pulling the strings that are actually evil. So not super into the implications of what Buffy's saying, but I do appreciate, you know, there's more to it than facts and stuff. It's really interpretation. How do we see Rasputin today? What does he mean to us? I love it. I love the idea that that there's vampires all throughout history, but they always tend to be on the evil side. None, none of them are the allies fighting for the war. It's always the bad guys. And I'm just saying, thinking like that means that we can start to see our uh, e- the opponents of our lives as vampires and evil, and it's not a good way to look at it. Kelly brings up specifically the Yoko factor when she thought of that final scene where she had brought up before the question of how do you guys help me? And in this episode, there was a lot of that, a lot of the council asking the same questions. How do you help Buffy? And just trying to reckon with someone like Xander and all of them, how does he actually figure into this? I will continue my work with the help of my friends. I, I, I don't want to sort thrown at me, but... but civilians we're talking about children we're talking about two very powerful witches and a thousand-year-old ex-demon willow's a demon the boy no power there the boy's clocked more field time than all of you combined he's part of the unit that's right they speak five clock field time that was tough he got some some hours right he <laughs> clocked some hours tough Let's do some watches. Uh, Xander construction outfit watch. No, he does not have a job. Maroon jacket watch. No, but Buffy, as we just alluded to, has some fashion choices. She rocks black everywhere. Dawn's fiercing screams. She did not scream. She was just pouty and and angry. I could have a snack. Speaking of snacks, chips ahoy. Uh, Yes, Spike, hilariously, we didn't even talk about this. They didn't put a chip in your head, did they? No. It'd be funny if they did. Spike, I need an answer now. Buffy has a personality. Yes, well, no, as we talked about. Spike straight up attacks her personality by saying maybe you just don't hold their interest. That does suck. That really sucks for her. Uh, DeHoffrin watch, no. Tara's on the pot again. Oh, my God, yes, yes. She sees the world in black and white. Good guys. The other Gileses, you know, everyone in England is just. Are you sure they're English? I I thought English people were uh, gentler than uh, normal. She's clearly an Anglophile, though. And then when they're doing the interview, she is clearly baked out of her mind. Both of them are. They just got done smoking. Uh, You know, just we can answer questions. Uh, Our relationship. We're friends. Good friends. Girlfriends, actually. Yes, we're girlfriends. We're in love. We're lovers. We're lesbian, gay-type lovers. I meant your relationship with the Slayer. Um, just good friends. And I love the magic. Uh, what magic level are you? And she just pours out five. Michael Wicket, Amy Gothwatch, no. But we do talk about registering witches and shit. I mean, so in general, Yes. But, like, no, nothing really happened. They didn't really do much. But they do talk about registering witchcraft, yeah. Kelly maintains that Michael Wicket, Amy Gothwatch has been fulfilled after much controversy. Do you think that they would actually see some of these people? Because they must think that these people are obviously novices and stupid. Because if any of them actually possessed an ability to do stuff, why would they not recruit them onto their team? Like, 
why wouldn't they do that? So in my head, these are all novices that are just doing it for, you know, just to do it. You know what I mean? Speaking of books, Kelly, books a million. Yes, there's a lot of books, a lot of examining of books, as you just said. Um, and we do get the great, again, under the breath line of uh, Willow when she's like fascists. Big, tough council members picking on the books. Fascists. Why doesn't Mr. Giles boot them all out of here? Because if they deport him, they're not just destroying his career. They're condemning the man to a lifetime diet of blood sausage, bangers, and mash. Uh, streets ahead? No, just straight up no. Nothing happened. Giles' biggest KO? No, and as I said, the dude actually came into a bunch of money today. So I hope he shares it with his friends. He probably won't. Mercilessly, it's time we rank this sucker. Willow hacks, we talk about the net. Nearly nothing. So, five. Giles level of Giles, 10. What can you say? The man cleaned his glasses so hard that he broke them. He got that back pay and is officially a part of the council again, or at least not in their bad graces. The scandal here is not anything you've done wrong. It's the way they're behaving. Holding what they know hostage with a gun pointed at my bleeding green card, no less. Now, Joyce is a good mom. I feel like she only had about three lines in this episode. And I know we're getting the best of Joyce, mainly for us to feel more when the body comes. But when Buffy tells her to pack a bag, she says, absolutely, I trust you implicitly. Well, she doesn't really say any of those things, but she does pack her bag and she does go along with what Buffy says. Monster of the week, is it the council? Is it the one random vampire she fought? Was it the Knights of Byzantium? Kelly says that she tries not to put the big bad as episode villain, so Glory's kind of out. So she ended up on the Knights of Byzantium and tried to put herself into the mindset of someone who did not remember the show. Either way, she gave it a five. Relationship, goodness, or badness, she gave it a ten. Episode specific, the entire Anya quote. Anya Christina Emanuela Jenkins, 20 years old. Born on the 4th of July, and don't think there weren't jokes about that my whole life, mister, because there were. Who's our little patriot, they'd say, when I was younger, and therefore smaller and shorter than I am now. She gave it an 8, and that gives us a total of 45 points, which puts that at number 4 for the season. Stacia ranked this episode 49 out of 90. She noted her weird feelings about putting this episode in any spot, mainly because she wasn't sure if this was actually a good episode or not. Kelly helpfully is stealing a peek at Stacia's list and lets us know that this is nine below Dark Age, if that helps anyone out there. Though Kelly says that is a little damning and leads to a conversation that is at the heart of all of our rankings, mainly that beer bad should be higher, I was made to love you should be higher, Dark Age should definitely be lower and these are the factors that will continue to destroy not only Stacia's rankings but Daniel's as well and hopefully Kelly's in the near future well Stacia I'm I'm a lot like you which is like I don't know how to judge this because I knew we'd have a lot of fun talking about it and it's such a funny episode with so many great lines that it's a classic good episode of Buffy but I am convinced that the longer we spend with our friends the better these episodes are going to be I think that from here on out these episodes no offense to the early seasons are just going to be better this episode is really fun we had a great time talking about it and I'm really in a hard point a hard place because what do I do do I wait until the last 10 episodes of the show and put them in 120 and 120 through 125 right like 
I can't do that. So I have to start trying to fill them and I need some way to judge them. And if contrivance is one way to do it, then I'm going to do it because I'm convinced that I'm not going to hate any of the writing from here on out. But I'm going to put it at 76 out of 137. Kelly is surprised by how low Stacia and I put this episode compared to her relatively high 45 points. And she justifies it by, you know, saying rightly so, which is like the council is a part of Buffy and anytime they're in it, it is a rare enough occurrence. And it's a lot cooler of an idea to her than it is to us. Kelly also notes that a character like Tara is such a force inside of her head that it's hard to separate her against the rest of the show when you have such a strong feeling. And the council's not as strong, obviously, but it's definitely interwoven in the same way. Anyways, this is the end of the episode. Kelly asks Stacia if she has anything, any final thoughts. Her answer is no. She asks me if I have any final thoughts. My answer is no. Well, please join us next time for a normal episode of If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. We're going to be listening to, or you're going to be listening to, we're going to be watching Season 5, Episode 13, Blood Ties. And it's a good one, I promise. Way better than this one. So make sure to go listen to that right now. Kelly asks us to say goodbye. Stacia says goodbye. Kelly asked Daniel, me, to say goodbye. Without Beat Me Pod, you're pretty much just watching Masterpiece Theater. Thank you so much for listening. Really, thank you so much. We'll see you in the next one. Goodbye. Well, that was fun. That's extreme dream. She's not your bloody instrument, and you have no right to do any of this. Giles. Go to her. You talk to her. You can seduce her and bang the key out of her. Ever since I moved here from southeastern Indiana, where I was raised by both a mother and a father. And I want to say thanks. Thanks for listening. So just raise your beer and let me hear you cheer to all those friends that are missing. I want to say thanks for coming out. That was excellent.